0: Well, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night uh, service, uh, sort of a service, at Long Hill Baptist Church uh, here in Trumbull, Connecticut. Thank you for joining us. Uh, This is my second message that we're recording from my quarantine uh, here at the Parsonage, uh, having been diagnosed with COVID uh, on Christmas Eve, actually, that night. Uh, one of several people in the church who've been diagnosed recently. I praise God that everything is going well. My symptoms are resolving, and uh, that's the Lord. I'm thankful for that. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, people in the church uh, who've been diagnosed are doing relatively well also, Uh, and so we thank God for that. Pray please for my family, for their protection, Uh, and if you would Please continue to pray for the protection of uh, others here in the church um, as well. So let's go ahead. I want to ask you tonight to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. I want to try to cover uh, a pretty good amount of ground uh, today. And um, we'll begin here uh, in 1 Samuel 9 chapter 1. As you're turning there, I want to stop and open in prayer, uh, and we'll jump right in. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, uh, for your provision. Lord, I thank you for um, having your hand upon my body and for healing. I thank you for doing the same for others uh, who have been diagnosed with COVID. Lord, we pray for your protection. I pray for my family. I pray for my church family. Lord, that you would just continue to protect each of us. Father, I pray now as we look into your word tonight uh, that you would help us, Lord, that you would help us come with hearts bowed before you, uh, desiring, Lord, to hear from you. Uh, Lord, yes, to know your word, to understand it, but also to see uh, its relevance, its practicality, the application uh, for us today uh, in our own lives. Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Father, I pray that you'd work in this message. Help me now. I certainly need that. I pray, Lord, that um, you bless now. Father, I love you. I thank you. Uh, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to just uh, take a moment and step back uh, and uh, remind us of the context that we come to uh, this evening. Uh, So for a number of weeks now, we've been working our way through 1 Samuel. Uh, Of course, we've seen the uh, uh, prayer of Hannah and the arrival of of Samuel on the scene in response to his mother's prayer. Uh, We've seen uh, Samuel, uh, his training uh, with Eli. Now, recall that we've seen uh, the sin of Eli's son and the difficulties that created. Uh, Recall that we've seen the sin of Samuel's sons and the difficulty that that created. Uh, it's brought us to a point in history where the people, uh, the nation, is looking out at the other nations of the world rather than looking up to God and seeking His plan uh, and His will. Uh, the people of Israel are looking out horizontally rather than vertically, if you will, uh, for a solution. They've become discouraged, evidently, and they have a desire now to be more like the world. They're looking to the world uh, for a solution. And they observe, of course, that the nations of the world, many have kings, uh, and that seems to be a stabilizing uh, structure or influence, and so uh, they desire that. They desire this, this plan uh, that has been implemented by the nations around them. Now, I wanna make clear one thing, and probably we should have said this before this point. Um, We know that eventually it is God's plan to give the people a king. Uh, We know that David ultimately will be God's man uh, who will serve as king. Uh, So it's not so much uh, a wrong desire uh, that the people would ultimately seek a king, but it has to be God's timing And it has to be God's man. Uh, The the problem that we see here uh, in this first part of 1 Samuel is that it's not God's time, evidently. Uh, The people have uh, a wrong motivation. Uh, Rather than seeking a stabilizing influence uh, that would uh, help bring the people into conformity uh, with the Lord's will, as the judges had been used the people simply desire to be more like the world, uh, to be more worldly rather than uh, to be more godly. Uh, we'll see uh, today, assuming we get that far, that in addition to have a wrong, having a wrong motivation, they also employ wrong criteria. They're not praying and saying, God, who would you have us to uh, be our king? Uh, they, are, um, they are mesmerized in a sense by the attractiveness uh, and height uh, of Saul. Saul, we see here, being called as the first king. Uh, he evidently is very handsome, uh, and he's evidently very tall. And they have difficulty seeing beyond these outward physical features. Um, in a sense, they're, they're blinded by what they see, ironically, and they fail to stop and pray and seek the Lord in his will. So we will see this, this tendency uh, here today. Let's just jump in. First uh, Samuel, chapter nine, uh, verse one, we see uh, the Lord here introducing Kish, who is the father of Saul. Uh, so the Bible says here, now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechereth, uh the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a Benjamite, this will be significant, uh, a mighty man of power. Now he's called a mighty man, he's called a, a man of power, uh, and, and yet he, he doesn't seem to be a man who uh, has any real authority. He's from a lesser tribe, uh, a tribe that perhaps might even have been looked down upon as a small tribe. Uh, he's, he's called a mighty man of power, and yet he's a man from a lesser tribe, uh, certainly not a tribe from which you would look to uh, produce a king. Well, in any event, uh, verse 2 introduces Saul, the son of Kish. Uh, this is our Saul who, of course, become first king. Verse 2 says this, He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, uh, and a goodly. Now stop and just consider the word goodly for a moment, uh it's translated a number of ways it has the it can have the idea of moral goodness uh but in context here uh with other we'll see in a moment other comments made regarding his physical appearance uh it would seem to be used in the sense of outward attractiveness. uh the word can be used in the sense of beautiful or given that he's a male, we might say handsome uh so he's called goodly, but in a sense. Uh, of outwardly goodliness or handsomeness. Uh, He's a choice young man and a goodly. Uh, The middle of verse two continues, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier, uh, perhaps most handsome uh, person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So he was very tall. Uh, It's interesting, of course, that sense Uh, The advent of television and sort of the popularity of television, uh, the presidential candidate who has tended to win the election uh, has tended to be the tallest one. Uh, We are a people who very much uh, are influenced by the outward appearance of others. Uh, We're influenced by attractiveness. We're influenced by height. Uh, It seems that we associate attractiveness and stature uh, with ability and perhaps even authority. Uh, And yet, of course, we understand that that is uh, certainly not always the case. So uh, I would remind us here to be aware of this tendency. Uh, Just because someone looks a certain way does not necessarily mean uh, that they're a godly person doesn't necessarily mean they're a person of any particular ability uh, at all. Uh, of course, the old adage is don't judge a book by its cover. And that's a good principle. Certainly, one of the things that I believe the Lord is uh, bringing out and emphasizing in this passage uh, by having the Holy Spirit to inscripturate these observations. Uh, regarding Saul. They're here for a reason, and I I believe they're here for the purpose of uh, showing us, revealing to us, that the people ultimately chose Saul in part because of his appearance rather than his uh, qualifications, um, inward qualifications. Well, let's continue here. There is an account here beginning in verse 3. Saul's family evidently has lost some donkeys, they're called asses here, Uh, they've gone missing. And so Saul's father sends Saul out together with a servant uh, to find the donkeys. It's on this trip, which evidently becomes a somewhat lengthy trip, covers some ground, Uh, it's on this trip, surprisingly, uh, where he's sent out on the lowly task of, of finding some donkeys, that Saul will ultimately meet up with Samuel uh, and be anointed and be chosen uh, as king. So that's a very unlikely situation, and yet it, this is the situation indeed. Uh, here at this part of Saul's life and, and up to and Uh, Beyond his anointing here at this point in his life, we find him uh, to be fairly lowly, quite humble. Uh, He has a humble background, a humble disposition. Uh, You'll see this here. So uh, let's continue. Verse 3 says, The asses of of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. uh, And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. So get out there and, and find these lost donkeys. Verse two continues. I'm sorry, verse four continues the account. He passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Cilicia, but they found them not, so they kept looking. Then they, they passed through the land of Sh- Shalim, uh, and there they were not, and he passed through the land of the Benjamites, this would be their, the land of their tribe, uh, the land that uh, was assigned to the Benjamites, but they found them not. Now, uh, they searched and searched and searched throughout the land of the Benjamites. didn't find the donkeys. Uh, Saul proposes that they uh, return back home. He's concerned that uh, his father, Kish, uh, would begin to worry about Saul, uh, certainly worried more about Saul than the donkeys. So he says, hey, let's get back home. Verse 5 says this, and when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, come. Let us return, lest my father leave carrying the asses and take thought for us. You know what? Dad's going to stop worrying about these donkeys. He's going to start worrying about us. I don't want that. Uh, Let's get back home. We we didn't find them. Well, the serpent has another plan. Uh, He's aware of a certain man of God. Uh, He'll be called a seer here. He's called a prophet He says, why don't we go and um, visit with this man of God, this prophet, this seer? Uh, Surely he'll be able to point us to the missing donkeys. Verse 6 says this, "Uh, He said, the servant said unto him, Saul, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. He'll help us. Uh, All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now, let us go thither peradventure. He can show us our way that we should go. Uh, We'll see eventually, of course, this is Samuel. Uh, Samuel has a reputation uh, for being a man of God. He has a reputation for knowing things that others do not know. Uh, He has a reputation for uh, giving prophecy, and that prophecy uh, comes to pass. Of course, that's the biblical way that you can identify a true prophet of the Lord. His prophecies uh, come to pass. So uh, Samuel has this reputation. Uh, the servant of Saul is aware of this. And so he proposes, hey, let's go uh, meet up with Saul. Now, I want you to, uh, to see here and to observe in all of this, Uh, it becomes abundantly clear that the Lord is working providentially in history here in this situation uh, to bring Saul into contact with Samuel uh, so that Saul can be anointed by Samuel uh, to be the first king of the nation. Now we understand we've already seen that uh, Samuel has given prophecy regarding the, the people's king, the choice of the people, uh, that there will be negative consequences, and yet the Lord has already made clear to Samuel that he is going to permit this. So this is uh, Saul uh, being brought into the path of Samuel uh, in the Lord's permissive will, uh, so that Samuel can, according to God's direction, uh, anoint Saul to serve as the first king. Uh, much could be said about um, why God is allowing this. Uh, certainly, uh, one reason would be to teach the people a lesson, uh, to teach them that what they desire uh, is not necessarily what God desires, uh, to teach them that their motivation for desiring something uh, is, is, has been an improper motivation and that they should be motivated more by what God desires than what they desire, uh, to teach them ultimately that their criteria for choosing a leader uh, is not necessarily God's criteria. Uh, and that they do well to consider God's criteria. Of course, we understand God has laid out biblical criteria uh, for pastors of New Testament churches, and uh, we need to stand fast against uh, the tendency to choose pastors based on their attractiveness, their height, how well they speak. Uh, That might be an important practical consideration, but uh, it's more important that they be the man that God wants, uh, who hold to right doctrine, uh, and who will uh, lead with right motives and, and be qualified by God's qualifications. Uh, that's, that's an important principle that we can easily uh, bring into this passage here. So uh, Samuel is uh, providentially being brought into the path of Saul. Uh, God is setting the stage Uh, for Saul to be anointed as king uh, for God's purposes, in God's permissive will. Well, let's continue in verse 7. We see here that uh, Saul, who's still quite humble at this point, uh, he's hesitant to go and seek the man of God because he has nothing to offer him uh, for his services. That's a good and honorable concern. Verse 7 says, Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? Uh, For the bread is spent in our vessels, we've eaten all the food, and there is not a present to bring the man of God. What what have we? He was concerned he has nothing to offer, uh, Samuel, for his services. That's legitimate. Uh, But verse 8, the servant comes back and answers Saul again and said, Behold, uh, see here, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. I've got some money. Uh, That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Well, okay, they have something to offer Samuel, so Saul is satisfied, uh, and they continue on. Uh, Verse 9 simply explains that, um, well, let's read it. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spoke, thus he spake, Come uh, and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called the prophet was before time called a seer. Well, that makes sense. Uh, seer, the word seer, the underlying word, has the same idea as the English word, of course. Uh, one who sees that which others perhaps do not. Uh, it could be seeing some future event. Uh, it could be seeing some uh, current event that others are not privy to have knowledge of. Of course, the uh, prophet who is a man of God, uh, his ability to do so is of God. It's through the revelation of God. Uh, that he possesses knowledge of things that others do not. So uh, seer or prophet, uh, the Bible explains, they are uh, the same. They are the same. Well, in verse 10, uh, Saul and his servant arrive at their destination. Uh, Verse 10 says this, Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. uh, Verse 11, And as they went up to the hill, um, up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? Is the prophet here, the man of God? Uh, And they answered them, verse 12, and said, He is. Behold, uh, he's before you. Make haste, hurry now, for he came today to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. So uh, evidently it was a religious uh, holy day. It was a feast day, a festival day. Uh, that people were about to make a sacrifice, um, and the Bible says in the high place, uh, perhaps this is the place where the tabernacle was erected at this time. Uh, We know that at other points in scripture, uh, places called a high place, the high places, uh, were places where false worship uh, often happened, and so uh, over time, throughout Scripture, you'll see a corruption uh, of this practice, and you know that's what that's what Satan does, doesn't he? He will corrupt biblical principles, he'll co-opt them for his purposes, uh, and corrupt them uh, for his purposes. He'll he'll co-opt them uh, and corrupt them. Often, I believe we could see uh, to make a mockery of them as an insult to God. Uh, and his people don't see any suggestion of that here. Uh, here, I think the suggestion is simply that the high place is uh, where the sacrifices were performed. That would be the, uh, at this point in history where the, where the tabernacle uh, was erected. Uh, the fact that Samuel is going and that the sacrifice and, and the meal would not sacrifice would not be performed, meal not be eaten before uh, Samuel arrived, it certainly implies that. Uh, He was of a priestly lineage um, and that he is uh, having involvement here for that reason. Uh, Let's continue in verse 13. As soon as ye become into the city, uh, the maidens say, instruct uh, Samuel and his servant, ye shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come because he doth bless the sacrifice. And afterwards... Uh, they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, both of you, grammatically, for about this time ye shall find him. Uh, And in fact, in verse 14, just that happens. Uh, Verse 14 says, they went up into the city, uh, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel, man of God, the seer, the prophet, (coughs) who evidently is... Uh, having some involvement in a in a priestly or priest-like role Samuel came out against them for to go uh up to the high place. Now understand that the language here doesn't mean he's coming out to oppose them uh but but uh against them perhaps coming from a different direction toward them uh for to go up to uh the high place. Now I want you see in the next uh several verses here uh we're privileged to have insight that Uh, Prior to this, the Lord uh, had, in fact, prepared Samuel uh, for his meeting with Saul. And and again here, I want us to just get a hold of this idea that God is preparing the way. Uh, We've seen um, on Sunday morning, (laughs) the Lord used John to prepare the way for the coming of Christ according to prophecy. Well, here, God is using Samuel, a prophet. Uh, Lord is preparing the way for the coming of Saul by advising Samuel ahead of time, uh, preparing him and literally instructing him uh, eventually that he is to anoint Saul uh, to serve as king. Uh, this, um, This first use of anointing in scripture, I believe, I believe that's the case, Anointing, of course, um, is a word that refers, well, in historical context, uh, one would be anointed with oil uh, in recognition of being elevated to uh, a position of some authority, at least in the context of of appointing a king. We understand also this refers to anointing uh, with the spirit of God or the enablement of God to serve uh, in a certain capacity. And we will, in fact, see that the Lord will have Samuel to anoint Saul to serve as king. And uh, around the same time, uh, the Bible uh, makes clear that he's given a new heart in the sense of being prepared by the Lord, being transformed from a, a lowly uh, Benjamite to uh, one who will, in fact, serve as a king. This is a supernatural um ministry that the Lord is performing uh, upon Saul, uh, calling him, anointing him, enabling him to carry out uh, this, this role uh, to which the Lord is calling him. Now, um, I know that, and you know certainly, that Saul, before he's done, uh, will act very wickedly. Um, he'll, he'll become a, a jealous king uh, who evidences murderous intent, uh, against David and others, uh, he will engage in witchcraft uh, before he's done. So before the uh, kingship of Saul is completed, uh, we'll see him act very wickedly. And yet at this point, uh, he's a humble young man uh, being called of the Lord in His permissive will, according to the will of the people for for God's purposes. Uh, the first to be anointed and enabled by the Lord to serve in the role that God is calling him to uh, is very much a picture of Christ. Uh, we saw recently as the uh, Sunday morning uh, as the Lord um, Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, came and lit upon him, anointing him uh, for the earthly ministry for which he came. Uh, And so I want you to see that even though Saul turns out to be a wicked king, uh, there's a very real sense in which uh, at his anointing for service as king, uh, he's a type of Christ, uh, one who foreshadows Christ. Um, At least at this point in his life, that that, uh, should be seen and uh, should remind us, his anointing to serve should remind us of the anointing of Christ to serve. Uh, please don't forget anointing, Messiah, Christ. Uh, they all have the same idea. Anointed one, Messiah, uh, Christ all refer to the anointing, the preparation of the Lord uh for service. Well, that's a lot to say uh as we continue here, but uh let's go ahead and do that. In in verse 15, the Bible says, now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear uh, a day before Saul came. The Lord had prepared Saul, somehow told him in his ear. Perhaps the Lord literally spoke into his ear. Uh, the Bible says the Lord had told Samuel, verse 15, in his ear, a day before Saul came, saying, tomorrow about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt appoint him to be captain. Uh, the word captain here is the uh, same idea as it would have in a sort of modern military sense, one who Uh, exercises authority over others. Uh, Here it just has kind of the general sense of one who will rule uh, in a general sense over my people, Israel. Uh, He's to be anointed to rule over the Lord's people, uh, Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. And that's one of God's purposes. Uh, He says, for I have looked upon my people because their cry uh, is come unto me. So Uh, The Lord has heard their desire for a king, and although their desire is not a perfect desire, although they don't have a right motive, they won't employ the right criteria, uh, the Lord will graciously grant them their desire. Uh, See verse 17. When Saul arrives, uh, the Lord will confirm uh, to Samuel this is the guy. This is the guy that I spoke to you in your ear about. It's all supernatural. God is working here and orchestrating uh, not only their meeting, but also preparing both for this plan. Verse 17, when Samuel saw uh, Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. I don't want to stop here for too long, but I do want to make a comment about the word reign. Uh, there is a word that is more commonly translated "reign," uh, and it's uh, related to the Hebrew word for king, "malek," uh, "malek," uh, or, or, or "malek." This is a different word. Uh, it's it's not the word that would more typically be translated "reign" uh, in the sense of a king reigning, exercising authority uh, over a people. Uh, this word actually has the idea of to restrain or to shut. Uh, or to stop something. And so, it has been suggested that uh, what the Lord is saying here is actually alluding back to uh, the earlier prophecy in the last chapter, that this first king, uh, if the people desired a king, uh, this first king who they desire, uh, would would be one who would come with great consequences uh, to them. And you recall, we saw uh, Samuel described those consequences in the last chapter. So, uh, this word here that's translated rain would seem to be a reminder, an allusion back to the fact that uh, this man who will be anointed king, um, there'll be consequences. There'll be consequences. Well, in verse 18, uh, Samuel and Saul meet. The Bible says here, then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. He didn't realize, Saul didn't realize that uh, he was meeting Samuel. Uh, Verse 19 continues, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place for ye shall eat with me today. You and the servant, you'll eat with me today. Tomorrow I will uh, let thee go and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. (laughs) So... um, alluding to his uh, role as a prophet and seer, uh, one who could, in fact, tell them where the donkeys were. Uh, Look at verse 20. Here, uh, Samuel demonstrated his ministry to Saul, uh, in fact, with knowledge of the donkeys. Uh, He's not mentioned the donkeys to Samuel, and yet Samuel uh, somehow possesses knowledge. Well, uh, Samuel, uh, the Lord evidently has revealed this Uh, information to Samuel so that he could uh, authenticate his uh, role as a man of God, uh, the one who uh, Saul should, in fact, be seeking. Verse 20 says this, And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, uh, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. So this puts Samuel, forgive me, this will put Saul uh, at ease. Hey, your donkeys have been found. Uh, everything's going to be okay, you can relax. Do you think this would be quite astonishing to Saul? Uh, He's gone to Samuel for this purpose, and yet, uh, even before he's been able to voice his concern, his need, Samuel comes right out, (laughs) supernaturally, uh, astonishingly, and says, the donkeys are fine, Uh, everything's okay. Uh, And then he ramps up with an even more astonishing statement. Uh, In the second part of verse 20, he says this. uh, Now put yourself in Saul's place and imagine that you're hearing this. Here you are, humble guy, just out looking for donkeys. Samuel says, hey, don't worry, your donkeys are found. And then he says this to Saul. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? And on all thy father's house um, what what do you mean by that Samuel uh, man of God uh, I, what do you mean the whole desire of the nation is focused on me uh, I'm just Saul, uh, a Benjamite looking for my donkeys uh, why would the whole nation have its attention set on me uh, what's that all about this would have been a most Astonishing thing. Well, that's exactly what we see in verse 21. Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, uh, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Um, If Samuel, forgive me, if Saul understood that Samuel was beginning to prophesy or to reveal that Saul was to become a leader of the people, and, and it would seem to be the case that that's exactly how he understood this, uh, it would have been very astonishing. Um, and um, there would be a biblical basis for that. Back in Genesis 49 and verse 10, the Bible says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin was not a tribe that anyone would be looking to uh, for a ruler to be raised up out of, just not what anyone would have been looking for, uh, certainly including Saul. Uh, and so this would be most astonishing. He's looking for information about the whereabouts of his donkeys, and Samuel seems to be talking to him about the nation looking to him or about to look to him to become a king. This would be most astonishing. Well, uh, Samuel goes on and um, Um, graciously uh, begins really to treat Saul like a king. Uh, Trying to ease him into this understanding and this reality, uh, he just begins to treat him as a king. Samuel, verse 22, took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor uh, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden. So Uh, There were various people who were invited to eat uh, on this feast day, and uh, it was, of course, tradition, as you understand, that uh, people of rank or authority of position would uh, have uh, special places assigned to them uh, that was commensurate with their um, authority, their position, their rank. Uh, Here, uh, Samuel uh, is placing Saul, the donkey searcher, uh, in a seat that is the chiefest place amongst the guests. Uh, amongst, end of the verse says, amongst the 30 that were there. Uh, he is literally beginning to treat him uh, as one who would be called to serve as king. Verse 23, Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. So uh, evidently, the day before uh, Saul arrives, uh, Samuel had the cook to prepare uh, and reserve uh, a special uh, meal, uh, the the choicest portion uh, of the meat that would be served that day for uh, this one who would come, this one who the Lord had spoken to Samuel in his ear uh, and understood that uh, he would be called to position of great authority. Samuel was to anoint him. Uh, Samuel didn't doubt that. He he didn't doubt that. He had a great faith that what God said to him would come to pass. And so he puts his faith into action. He tells the cook <laughs> to prepare a special meal uh, for this man who would come and this one who would be the Lord's choice uh, in his permissive will. Uh, at this time. Uh, Samuel is acting on faith that what God said would happen was, in fact, going to happen. Listen, we have choices to make every day. Uh, Do we live according to our faith in what God has said will happen, or do we just kind of live? Do we choose to live our life, for example, uh, remembering remembering that the Lord has said that each of us will stand before Christ. Saved people will stand before Christ at the judgment seat, uh, where uh, not our sin will be judged, but rather our service, Uh, our motivation for service, the character of our service, uh, the faithfulness of our service will be judged uh, and rewarded. Do we choose to live out that faith with service that is performed with the right motive and a right heart uh, or do we just kind of go about our day living our lives without uh, much consideration for what God has said well right here Samuel is uh, evidencing that he believed what God said and that he should act according to what God said not just that he should do that he actually did that Uh, Lord, help us to have the same heart. When when you reveal aspects of the future, eschatologically, that have implications for how we should act today, uh, Lord, give us a heart to do that. Help us to actually do that. That's what Samuel did. Well, verse 24 says, The cook took up the shoulder, that special portion of the meal, uh, and that which was upon it set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, I set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. Um, it was set aside for him because Samuel believed uh, what the Lord had said. Verse 25, and, uh several verses here, we see the Lord just... Um, Knitting Saul and Samuel together, giving them opportunity uh, to become more acquainted, and eventually this is leading up to, of course, um, the uh, eventually the anointing of of Saul. Uh, verse twenty five says this: When they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon top of the house. That was a common place to go in fellowship. Of course, it was a very Uh, warm climate most of the year, at least, much of the year, we might say. Uh, And the top of the house, the houses uh, evidently had flat roofs, and that was a place where you could go and kind of get away and maybe get a little breeze uh, and a little bit of relief from the heat of the day. Uh, Verse 26 continues, they arose early so that they were there for time. Uh, The morning has come. They arose early as it came to pass about the spring of the day. Spring of the day would be the dawn, sunrise, sunrise. Uh, that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, come on up, uh, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. Verse 27 continues, And uh, as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. Let your servant go on before us. I want to talk to you. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee uh, the word of God. Uh, so the Lord has brought these two men together, uh, Saul uh, and his servant, and Samuel, the man of God, the servant of God. And now uh, S- Samuel says to Saul, Hey, I need to share, share with you some things that God has revealed to me. God has created, he's worked sovereignly to create an opportunity for Uh, Samuel to convey uh, the plan to Saul, and let's just march right into verse um, 1 of chapter 10 and go just a little bit further. I realize we're covering a lot of ground here, but let's let's go just a little bit further here. Uh, Verse 10, the Bible says, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord... Hath anointed thee to be captain you understand ruler of the people uh, ruler over his inheritance uh, and so Samuel has said hey let the servant go on stop here let's talk and uh, he takes out the anointing oil and begins to anoint Saul uh, this would have been uh, understood by Saul as something very special something quite unexpected um, Samuel begins to prophesy uh, in verse two. He says, when thou art departed from me uh, today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin uh, at Zelzah. uh, And they will say unto thee, the asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father has left the care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? Then, verse three, chapter 10, verse three, then shalt thou go on, Forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, uh, and there shall meet three meet thee. Forgive me. Meet thee three men going up uh, to God to Bethel. One carrying three kids goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a bottle of wine, and they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive uh, of their hands. Samuel just continues to prophesy. He's uh, authenticating uh, his identity as a man of God, a seer, um, a, um, a prophet, uh, giving prophecy. And the, uh, the, if you will, the coming to pass, the, the fulfillment of this prophecy will just continue to build Saul's confidence that uh, this man is in fact a prophet of God uh, and that what he says is of God. In verse 5, the Bible continues, um, Samuel continues, After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city, that thou thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a, a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, uh, and they shall prophesy. This hill of God mentioned here is uh, probably uh, where the Ark of the Covenant had been located at uh, Kirjath uh, jeram uh, back in chapter 7. Samuel continues to prophesy. Verse 6, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, uh, and shalt be turned into another man. So uh, Samuel prophesies to Saul, hey, you're going to meet a company of prophets, and uh, when you do, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you are going to begin to prophesy. This would be an extraordinary uh, prophecy, an ex- extraordinary thing to hear. Uh, Samuel instructs Saul, verse 7 he says, Let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee. He says, For God is with thee. He's preparing him, he's prophesying to him. He's promising to him that God is with him. He's um, encouraging him that what God is calling him to do, God will prepare him to do. Look back at the end of verse 6. He says, thou shalt be turned into another man. Uh, what an extraordinary thing to say. He wants him to understand that what God is calling him to do, God will prepare Him to do. I want to see two more verses and we're done. He says, Thou shalt go before me, verse 8, thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down uh, unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Uh, Seven days shalt thou tarry, wait there till I come to thee uh, and show thee what to do. Well, verses 9 and 10, we're going to look at these and stop here. Samuel's prophecies to Saul are fulfilled. They're they're fulfilled. Verse 9 says this, It was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 10 says, When they came hither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. This is lowly Saul at this point in his life, lowly, humble Saul being supernaturally prepared by God for the service that God is about to place him into. Uh, God told Samuel, this man is coming. Samuel believed and prepared. That man came and that man was prepared by God for the ministry Uh, to which God appointed him. There's a tremendous parallel between John the Baptist and Christ. John called, forgive me, God called John the Baptist to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. Christ came uh, in obedience to the Father, was baptized, was anointed by the Spirit of God, prepared by the Spirit of God for the ministry to which God the Father anointed him. May I say this? Uh, God is still in the business of calling people to place specific places of ministry. And God is still very much in the business of preparing people for that place of ministry. Uh, Saul was really the least likely to have been called of God to lead a nation. And yet God appointed him and anointed him for that service and placed him into that position. Listen, today, it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter where you're from. When God calls you to serve in a specific place, you may count on God to supernaturally enable you by the Spirit of God to serve in that place. When you were saved, you were given a gift of the Spirit, a spiritual gift. When you are Uh, yielded. We know the fruit of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. We have everything that we need, uh, despite the fact that it seems practically impossible to serve God uh, in a place that he calls us to. God has prepared us. God does equip us, and you can count on that. Praise God for that. Let's stop there. Father, thank you. Thank you for the amazing truths uh, that we see alluded to here in this passage today. Lord, I thank you for uh, the privilege to see that although uh, it seemed profoundly unlikely that Saul would lead the land, lead the people, uh, Lord, you made that possible. You made that possible. Father, it may seem equally unlikely that you would call any of us to serve you in any significant way. But we understand today you call each of us, all of us, who've been saved and baptized into a church to serve you in an amazing way. Lord, we we feel unworthy apart from you. And I understand today we are indeed unworthy, unable, apart from you. Uh, You enable us supernaturally by thy spirit. Lord, help us to trust you. Uh, help us to depend on you, help us to look to you for your leading, and to trust you for your enablement to serve you, however you may call us. Lord, as we look ahead to this new year, uh, considering opportunities to serve, I pray you give us a heart to just uh, bow before you and pray, Lord, how would you have me to serve you? Lord, what opportunities and needs exist in our church? God guide me, direct me, uh, move me in my heart, and and equip me, burden me to serve you, and to trust you for all that I need to do so. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for joining us to, um, tonight. Uh, we'll uh, be posting a message again on Wednesday. Uh, forgive me, Sunday morning. And uh, we'll come with more updates before then. But just please continue to pray. Uh, keep, uh, Keep me in prayer, my family, and others in the church. Just continue to pray. We'll look to God for all that he will do. All right, thank you. God bless.